Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to The Safety Guru. Today, I'm very excited to have with me Manny Almaguer. He's the assistant chief with the Denver Fire, a 20-year veteran, a champion of mental health, and he were here to talk about some incredibly powerful uh, actions that he's taken, he's driven within Denver Fire uh, to bring the topic of mental health to the forefront. So many really excited to have you with me today. Yeah, good morning, Eric. It's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. Thank you. Excellent. So, so many, uh, your story has been shared in many different uh, forums that I've heard um, in terms of the work you've done in Denver Fire. Maybe let's start a little bit about what got you inspired to do some very powerful things, which we'll get to very soon, around mental health within Denver Fire. Yes, that's great. It's a great uh, intro. And, you know, my background before I came into Denver Fire Department was in psychiatric settings. So I was a psychiatric registered nurse and I worked in institutional settings with uh, the Hmm. developmentally disabled as well as those with some severe mental illness concerns that would require the institutional uh, setting. So I had come, I had worked in that setting for 11 years and then I went into the career change with Denver Fire and really thought, okay, I pretty much have seen what I'm going to see in life and there's really nothing that's going to be shocking to me or something that's going to, as I thought, would be traumatic. So this was in the year 2000. And then I started to mm-hmm. see trends in people that I had worked with and people who had retired from the fire service and taking their own lives. But where it really, really impacted wow. me and a few others was in 2013 when there was a suicide of one of our respected captains in the Denver Fire Department and, and just a, a, a man that many of us kind of looked up to as a mentor. And you, mm-hmm. you have to keep in this perspective when you come into public safety and specifically the fire service and you always you know, think of somebody who's stoic, somebody who doesn't have mm-hmm. any issue in their personal life, somebody who's just kind of that man's man, firefighter, firefighter. He just right. never really looked deep into the layer of anything that could be, you know, uh, preoccupying them in any way. So this individual took their life in 2013 and it, and it crippled a handful of us. And wow. at the time, and I still am, it was with an employee group called FIRE, Firefighters Incorporated for Racial Equality. And many mm-hmm. on the executive board worked with this individual in, their fire, in, in, in the firehouse. So what was so interesting about this is that at that time, we had just started to get at the forefront of suicide in the fire service. And at that time, Denver Fire collaborated with the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. And we were focusing on the Life Safety Initiative, which sure. is mental health. 
So mm -hmm. we started to roll out some training. Well, it was very basic training. It was called stress first aid. So it was at that time was the very first introduction that I could recall in the fire service where we started talking about stressors, risk factors, and ways to take care of yourself and each other. But we were infants in, in all of this. We were just trying to get the message out. Well, while we were doing this right under our nose is when the suicide of the captain occurred. Um, so at that time, we knew we had to do something that had a little bit more teeth to it, that was more sustainable, and actually would capture the attention of the importance of this pattern that was starting to go on in the fire service. Because at that time, we had focused so much on line of duty deaths. But what we did not know is that suicides were starting to outpace line of duty deaths in the fire service, but we never even oh, considered wow. it. So at the time, a, a task force was formed with FIRE. It was about three, mm -hmm. three to five of us that says, okay, let's go out and see what we can do. We've had enough. And we were broken, Eric. We, we really did not know what we were going to get into, but we knew we needed to do something. And so what we did is the firefighter mentality. We picked up mm -hmm. our bootstraps. We marched forward and said, you were not going to take no for an answer, but we really didn't have an idea. So sure. we started to look at resources in the state of Colorado, city of Denver. And at that time, we were knocked on many doors. Says, you know, we're here, we're men, we lost somebody very close to us. We have a lot of the same DNA running through our bodies. We're high risk factors, mm -hmm. you know, we're at a high stress job. And people were like, yeah, that's great. That's a tough culture, <laughs> tough stigma. Let us know if you have somebody that'd be willing to work with you. And, <laughs> and it was, it was to us as like, boy, you know, we were, we were just like, kind of just like, whoa. I guess we are kind of in our own little category <laughs> of high risk occupations. Well, then what happened at the time is we, I just happened to be looking on YouTube. And I saw there was a local department in the region down to the south of Denver that had put together this video called Dealing with the Aftermath of Suicide. So I watched mm. it, very captivating. I'm like, wow, this is what we're, this is what we're trying to get into. Sure. And I looked at the credits, and in the credits was Dr. Sally Spencer Thomas. And mm -hmm. I look and I wait a minute here. She's down the street from us. <laughs> so we made contact with her. About three of us went in there to talk to her. And immediately we knew we were in the right hand. She almost was like waiting for us. And at that time, she was recognizing this pattern and trend that was going on amongst working mm -hmm. age men, specifically in the public safety industry, as well as the construction industry. Right. So what we did at that time was we collaborated with Sally and we started at a very, very, uh, we had a strategy to go and get some focus groups. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is we got members from all ranks, probably about 10 to 15 members of the Denver Fire Department of all ranks. We just went into a room and we just started talking about what we were all going through. And what was so glaring in all of that, and I knew everybody in this room, and I thought I had a pretty good idea of who they were as men and as women and as firefighters. Mm -hmm. The reality was I really had no idea what they were going through. And they were raw. They were tough wow. conversations very, very, very real and eye-opening dialogue. And we had felt that there were, the common thread we had all had is we are all stressed, we take, we take home our work. 
and we knew we had a system that needed more resources because you keep in mind at the time when I came on the Denver Fire Department in the year 2000 we had a city policy that had kind of made its way into our department the policies and it basically was you know if you're experiencing a crisis or if you need mental health resources call this number sure and it was Office of Employee Assistance there's a paragraph probably that big and every <laughs> city employee this was the avenue for resources so at the time I thought well I don't want to minimize what anybody in, in a city employee is going through but I sure. felt pretty confident that somebody in the library or somebody in Parks and Rec wasn't dealing with the same stressors as me I, so, I think that's probably a fair assumption <laughs> and so those were the types of things we knew we had to start having in place in order to have options for our members. Because you know the more options you have, the better choices you're going to make. And you're going to yep. know that there's our, there are resources that are better suited for you and your own individual needs. But at that time, our most used resource was our peer support team. And that is members of the different mm -hmm. fire department who go through specialized training that is what we had and was most widely used. We had a department psychologist, but if you did not feel comfortable with those two um, resources, then all you had was just the city, city uh, OOE, uh, EAP, Employee Assistance Program. Mm -hmm. So what we did with that focus group is we looked at a strengths and needs assessment. What are the mm -hmm. strengths of the fire service? What are the strengths of the Denver Fire Department? And we knew the strengths are we're a family. We yep. take care of each other. We all have the risk factors that we all can pretty much unspoken language know that, okay, this person, he or she is going through probably the same challenges that I'm going through. We knew that the strengths are with the firefighter mentality, you give us a task, we'll take care of it. Mm -hmm. And the weaknesses we had were lack of resources, lack of trust, lack of mm -hmm. trust meaning that we didn't feel confident that we could come forward with vulnerability. It was a concern of weakness at the time. Yeah. And we felt that we didn't have trust and there would be uh, no labeling, the stigma attached. And, you know, I want to promote in the fire service. Well, if I come forward and I start talking about you know, the course I've taken in my career with dealing with my mental health challenges or concerns, does this impact me where I go in my future? Sure. We felt very, very leery about crossing the boundaries with being leaders in the fire service and conveying vulnerability to our peers. And then our peers felt, well, I don't trust leadership because they're going to go and use this against me sure. in my career all these obstacles, we just kind of hashed them all out. And so we also had done a, did a survey. And you gotta keep in mind, a survey in public safety, you probably have 2% to 5% tops participation. <laughs> we put this really? survey out, we basically asked, what do I think about mental illness? What do I think right. my peer thinks about mental illness? What do I think leadership thinks about mental illness? Mm -hmm. Can I name five risk factors somebody who may be experiencing a crisis? Can I list five resources that are available to me and to my peers? We had about a 20% participation rate 
in the fire service and to many in, mm -hmm. in, in, in a company organization, I may not see Michael a lot, but to us, sure. it was huge. And, and we knew at the time that people want to be heard and people are struggling. Mm -hmm. And so we found out some very, very uh, alarming um, data from that. People couldn't even name resources other than the EAP. And so with that, mm -hmm. we put together a training says, okay, we're going to go through this model called the working minds, mo working minds model. We're going to train the trainer because we knew in the fire service, public safety, you bring in an outside speaker to tell you, you know, this is what you're going through. You're automatically going to get suspicion. You're going to get the, the fear of conspiracy. So we <laughs> knew in order for it to be effective, it had to be by us, for us. And we had to put people who've actually walked this path, were in positions of leadership, and basically say, okay, this is, this is what we're dealing with. That was the mm -hmm. first challenge. The second challenge is we knew we could not go in there and just say, we're going to talk about mental health and resiliency. Sure. You're probably going to get call-ins that day. You're probably going to get people <laughs> who have some other thing they want to, you know, training they got to take care of. But we knew we couldn't do that. So mm -hmm. right at that time, you know, in the fire service, we always, always are championing physical health. Cancer sure. is high amongst firefighters. Mm -hmm. Heart attacks are high uh, amongst firefighters and first responders. So we knew we had to capitalize on that and morph it together, and we called it total wellness. So let's talk mm -hmm. about what we're doing to take care of our physical health, checkups, physicals, body composition analysis, um, propensity for injury. And then let's start talking about our, 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 our minds. What, mm -hmm. What's going on up here? As below, as above, so below. That kind of was our, sure. our approach. So we coupled it all together. We called it total wellness, and we got great buy-in. And mm. it was something that we felt that became a, a model that continued to be used in, in, non, in, in, in corporate America. But it was something, like I said, if I look back on it, and it was probably the best thing that we could have done. But there was something missing. At that time, we had, we had just started to capture data. And at that time, the data was alarming. Because like I mentioned before, you think of firefighters, and you think that the worst possible thing that could happen is a line of duty death. Mm -hmm. But when we start talking about working age men, fire service, the risk factors we all bring in, we're risk takers by nature. Okay. We, we were around death all the time. We know... Mm -hmm. We know if we are in a crisis, we know the mechanisms to take our own life. Mm. And we, we had captured the attention of, of the data of, of the people we were presenting to on the organization. But we knew in order to get that knockout punch to really deliver the message, at the time Dr. Sally says, Let's get a, about five people in leadership positions and put together a video. And I want you to talk about moments in your career when you are vulnerable, maybe going through a difficult time, mm -hmm. have sought treatment, and you are now triumphant. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, the ten of us that are going through this, we're like, we're very passionate. We know yep. what needs to be done, but all ten of us are like, 
I don't know anybody like that, do you? <laughs> I mean, we're kind of looking around the room. In reality, we were part of our own story. This was mm -hmm. part of our own healing. And those who, of us who were deeply impacted by the suicide of the captain, I look back on it, and going through this was part of the best thing we could have done for ourselves because we were able to mm -hmm. lay our hearts on the table, be open, be vulnerable. So once we got together, a group of, of us that basically talked about seeking help, advocating for mental health and resiliency building, that is what captured the attention of the members of the department. Of everything we did, and it was all great. People <laughs> said, you know what? I never, I never knew that you were going through this. And I admire mm -hmm. you so much for your courage and vulnerability and coming forward. And that, we're, we were able to build on. And I mm -hmm. firmly believe, and unfortunately we had a line of duty death about a year and a half later. And this was a firefighter who had fallen through a roof and had um, lost his life two weeks later. Well, because we had already started to build those skills of mm -hmm. resiliency, crisis intervention, suicide prevention, we were able to teach the entire department on grief and loss. And I firmly believe mm -hmm. we would never have been able to broach that topic if we had not already built that trust. And so that is kind of the story in a nutshell on how Denver Fire Department began to morph into championing mental health, coming up with more programs, recognize the value of resource building internally through peer support department psychologists. We were able to come up with a chaplain service from people who were more uh, inclined to have spiritual intervention for, for uh, mental health. And we were able to collaborate with many, many agencies and suicide prevention organizations and champions but that's how it all began mm -hmm. i i think your story is incredibly powerful a couple of things that really uh, hit home for me was the importance of peer support um and i think the message you shared around without trying to minimize the challenges that other groups may go through eap and many organizations that i actually remember having the conversation earlier this week is is, is the EAP group that you've got prepared to address themes? Do they understand what you're going through, say, in, in the fire department or whether it's law enforcement, whether it's construction, whatever industry that you're in? Because the themes may be different. Construction, sometimes you could be away for six weeks or you might be flying to see your family for, for a day, which could create new stressors and differences. Um, so I think the peer support piece is something I'm hugely... Um, in favor of, I think it's incredibly important. I, I love how you adapted things. You made it for the fire department. You adjusted terminology to total wellness. I think these things are powerful because if it feels like it's something that's corporate, that's being pushed, people won't use. And I think that's incredibly powerful. And, and your message around vulnerability, I've seen it time and time again. It's when people are comfortable and leaders are comfortable being vulnerable. It's so powerful in terms of getting people to understand 
This episode of the Safety Guru Podcast is brought to you by Propolo Consulting, the leading safety and safety culture advisory firm. Whether you are looking to assess your safety culture, develop strategies to level up your safety performance, introduce human performance capabilities, re-energize your BBS program, enhance supervisory safety capabilities, or introduce unique safety leadership training and talent solutions, Propolo has you covered. Visit us at propolo.com. That's, that's, a great, that's a great point, Eric. And just a story I want to share with you recently, mm. about two weeks ago, you know, I was at a, a, a call downtown on an actual suicide of an individual who had, mm. had taken, the, taken their life by um, jumping off of a structure. And so if that would have happened 15, 20 years ago, those who were part of that incident had witnessed what had happened. You know, we, we, we would lose them because we would never address what they're feeling now or what mm-hmm. they may be feeling next day down the road. So after everything was mitigated and during that time when I'm getting the companies back in service, the first call I made was to our peer support director. And I said, mm-hmm. this is what happened. These are the individuals that were on the scene. Please give them a call by the end of the day or tomorrow morning. So mm-hmm. to see that transition into now it's part of our call process for yep. these incidents, I would have never ever, ever even thought of that 15, 20 years ago. It was just something that you went home, mm-hmm. you took it home with. If you were able to talk with members of your family or of your own internal support network, fantastic. But if you didn't have those, then this just yeah. carried with you and it accumulated through your career. Right. And I think one of the reasons why I think your story is powerful, and obviously we're talking mostly about safety, you're in the public safety space, um, you do incredibly dangerous work day in and day out. What's the impact of mental health and, and not addressing on physical safety of a team member that uh, because I, I think the two things are intertwined. We know from a, from a physical safety standpoint, distractions, all sorts of things that can be exacerbated by mental health can have an impact in terms of my choices, my decisions, and how I stay physically safe as well. Yeah, that's a great question. So as I mentioned earlier, we started to recognize the trend and pattern in line of, du- in line of duty deaths being surpassed by suicides. Mm-hmm not just in the fire service, but in public safety. And this has continued to be the trend for almost 10 years. I think the only time we had line of duty deaths that were outpacing suicides was during COVID. But we don't see a drop off mm-hmm. in, the, in these trends. So the cumulative effect, if these stressors and risk factors aren't addressed, Obviously, the worst case, worst case scenario is the suicide of a member. Mm-hmm. But you can also attach it to the things that maybe we don't consider. You know, um, taking it home to your loved ones. Right. Anger. Substance use. And that data we had done back in 2014, we started to see the prevalence of substance use. We started mm-hmm. to see the prevalence of domestic 
issues that were going on in the home. We started to see a trend in the number of divorces in the fire service. We started to see the number of disciplines in the fire service. We started to see a number in injuries. So also all the things you can easily attribute to not taking care of yourself. And sure. When you look at the number of calls that the peer support receives on an annual basis, of course they're all confidential, but we do look at the types of calls. And they all are on family, substance use, anger management, feeling a loss of value and a sense of purpose because of injuries. And you have to keep in mind we're all kind of have our bread to be on the front line, to be out there riding on the rig, to be uh, a part of a crew. And when you have mm -hmm. issues where you're taking time off of work, whether for, for recovery, whether it's mentally or physically, you lose that sense of value, you know, being a part of something bigger than yourself, part of the team. Mm -hmm. So those are all the things that you can attribute to not taking care of yourself. And then we, we were also seeing trends, and this is something that may be surprising to a few, is our retirees were taking their lives. You know, and mm, I think right. in the past two years, I probably have a, I know a handful of retirees who once they were off the department had taken their lives. It's a sense of mm -hmm. possibly, you know, not having that support network of the brothers and sisters of yep. the fire department to bounce things Correct. off of and maybe not having the support network that they once had. And I've seen this in other industries as well, where there's a very strong bond connection to the mission um e even in the aviation space pilots as well risk factors after they retire it's it's there's a all of that also changes the, the context that you're operating within so is this something you've also extended to people that have left the fire department in terms of their peer support or not not yet no well we've we've brought it to the attention of, of administration, we brought it to the attention of mm -hmm. union of the union, and and yes, I believe it's part of the message that you know this is mm -hmm. what we've seen. These are the resources available to you, but we don't really have the touch points like we would have sure. members who are currently in, in the department. Yeah. So, but I will tell you what we did that I really felt that was a game changer for us is that. I really didn't start talking about mental health until my 15th mm -hmm. year on the department. Mm -hmm. When I came on in the year 2000, if there was anything going on with me internally, I dare not say anything. And even if I was to say, hey, you know, right. I'm having a bad day, oh, be quiet, kid. You know, just move on, get on the rig. So part of the academy process when the new recruits come in they are automatically just within that first 17 weeks of their training are instructed on the importance of self-care are instructed on hmm. being able to have the courage to intervene if a member or a colleague and i use this story you know and i've been i've been i've used it with the re recruits so in the fire service, we're safety oriented. Everything's about safety. Of course. And when you're on when you're on a call, all of us 
are responsible and have an obligation to safety. It doesn't matter if you're the chief, it doesn't matter if you are the brand new firefighter in the city, you come up on a, a house fire and you see a roof sagging. I ask the most junior person, the least seniority on the department, what would you do? You roll up on this, what would you do? Oh, chief, you know what? I immediately talked to the incident commander, but there's a safety issue right there. The roof is sagging. We need to pull people off the roof without hesitation, with confidence. I said, okay. You go back to the firehouse and you happen to walk past your officer's room and you see your officer with his head in his hands and he saw me. What are you going to do? They look around. They're like, um... <laughs> mindset is we're safety officers on the mm -hmm. fire ground and in the firehouse. If somebody is in danger or there's a concern or somebody's not themselves, just like reading smoke, we can tell when there's turbulence. <laughs> we should be able to read each other. When there's an inner turbulence, have the courage to intervene and have that dialogue. So that's the mindset mm -hmm. that we're trying to have our entry level recruits have those skills and at least the awareness of themselves and their peers that they can start having that conversation and start moving things in that direction early in their career. Thank you, Manny. That's very, very powerful. So Manny, thank you for, for sharing all these great ideas um, and, and your experience through this. If somebody wants to get in touch with you to explore um, your journey within Denver Fire, to explore how to leverage some of the insights you've had there in the organization, how can they get in touch with you? Eric, they can contact me through my personal email, and that is Manny, M-A-N-N-Y, 322003 at Yahoo. Perfect. And I also want, want to thank you for coming, sharing your story, um, for the work that you've done within Denver Fire and how you brought all the teams together behind this. I think it's a very encouraging story and a story I wish a lot of others started thinking about how do I embark on a similar journey. Uh, and, and ultimately as well, thank you for your service within Denver Fire and keeping people safe day in and day out. Um, really appreciate everything you've done. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Eric. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Grow your success. Capture the hearts and minds of your teams. Elevate your safety. Like every successful athlete, top leaders continuously invest in their safety leadership with an expert coach to boost safety performance. Begin your journey at execsafetycoach.com. Come back in two weeks for the next episode with your host, Eric Makrowski. This podcast is powered by Propolo Consulting.